Hello and welcome to the Later in Life Love podcast with your friend Mimi and Herbu AJ. We're back. It's been a while and we are ready to greet our audience again. Yes, I'm sure you've missed us, but just know that we have been thinking about you. However, we've also been enjoying ourselves with some fun times and fun activities. So we apologize for not uh, recording a couple of podcasts, uh, skipping some Mondays, but hopefully we will make it up to you with this particular episode. Yes, they have always been on our mind. As was it Kenny Rogers would say, you're always on my mind. That's Willie Nelson. Well, see, and I live. Okay. I know where I live, but I should know that. <laughs> you should know that. You should definitely know that considering where you live. Yeah. So you just gave it away. So it can't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we were sitting here tonight watching a fascinating episode of Dr. Phil. And then we thought, you know what? We should do a reaction, not video, but a reaction podcast. To this because it's really interesting what's happening here. Called House Calls with Dr. Fields on CBS, and of course we're way behind. We're on the September first episode, and this is late October. But hey, that's what a DVR is for. That's right. And what's this episode called, babe? It is called Marriage Isn't Fifty Fifty. It's One Hundred One Hundred, and that sparked our interest. You know, we have several episodes saved, and we were like, "Hey, what's this One Hundred One Hundred? You know, they're talking about the M word. We take it as a committed relationship. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. <laughs> yes, we, we want to talk about the M word. Yeah, it's all about commitment. There you go. All right, so you ready to jump in? I'm ready to jump in. Let's see what this one's all about. All right. Me and Alicia, we've been together for 20 plus years. We've been married for almost 17, and we have two kids. My son, Adamir, who's going to be 20 this year. And I have a daughter, Amaya, who is 13. In the beginning of our marriage, it was great. We used to tackle adversities together. Can we just comment on his name? <laughs> it is Dolphin. Dude's name is Dolphin. You know, I'm almost thinking that when they put it in the subtitles on the screen, I hope they spelled it right. But I would think, hey, maybe it's D-A-U-P-H or F or something. That just felt like a creature at SeaWorld. <laughs> Babe, his parents met at SeaWorld. There you go. That's, I'm guessing. That's what I'm guessing. SeaWorld, Shamu was jumping and she linked mm -hmm. the first kiss and said, ooh, dolphin. That's what I'm guessing. Okay. I just want to point that out. Story. His name is Dolphin. We had a partnership. She was my best friend. But now our marriage is dangling in the wind. How did we get here? Two years ago, Dolphin and Alicia left New Jersey and moved everything from Jersey to Georgia. Before we moved to Atlanta, I owned a nightclub and decided to sell it. I have lived in Jersey. I've never lived in Atlanta. But that's a significant change, can we say? For sure. I live very close to Atlanta, visited there often, have family there, and it's nothing like Jersey, even though I haven't been <laughs> to Jersey, I visited there. <laughs> um, yeah, the South is, is, a, is, is different. 
That's about all I can say. Not better or worse, but definitely different. He's always been an entrepreneur since I met him. Always been a business owner that was part of the attraction. You know, he is getting to the money. I decided to move that business to Atlanta because the demand was very high for it. But things didn't go well. We ran into some, some serious financial hardships. It was terrifying. So Dolphin's talking to his best friend, Cedric. Telling Cedric, you know, all the deal, which, you know, all of us guys have our best friend that we can spill the beans too. And we know it's in confidence and hopefully to get some wisdom from them. So I do appreciate that he at least is reaching out to a friend. Um, I would think, of course, he needs to reach out to his wife. But, um, you know, if he feels like he can't talk to her, it's definitely good that he has somebody. Those feelings took a toll and Alicia felt like he lost his confidence and just checked out of the marriage. Dolphin became very withdrawn. He sat on the couch like almost every day. Okay, I'm I'm just going to throw this out there. I'll, I'll withhold judgment. But my first thought is the timing of her feeling like she wants out of the marriage and things are falling apart is kind of suspect. Because when they were rolling high and there's a photo of them smoking cigars and, you know, life is fabulous, seemed like she was all in. Now he's struggling. He's on the couch and I'm not hearing. Well, I really tried to motivate him. I really said, babe, we got this. We're, let's do this. We, we, we're going to get through. What I'm hearing is, oh, OK, the high rolling stopped. And now I'm considering, let me get out of here. OK, I'm going to disagree there. It, OK. Big Dolphin moved to Atlanta and things started getting hard and he didn't know how to handle the hardships either because yeah he was he was the man he was the boss he was the big baller in new jersey and now that things are getting hard he's going through some things but she's not reaching out to him saying hey honey how can i help you know he's shutting down for sure he's going through some things he might have never felt or hadn't felt in a while she doesn't know how to handle that he doesn't know how to handle that um and you know one of them has to step up so i can't just put all of it on him that she needs to step up and say, hey, babe, how can I help? Agree. Every day I'm in the bed sleeping by myself because she wants to sleep down the hall because she has a wall up. You've been married for 17 plus years. How would you feel if you looked down at your wife's hand and she just decided not to wear her ring no more? She doesn't know she wants to stay in this commitment. You know what it's like to want somebody who don't want you? Okay, so now Dr. Phil wants to talk to him one on one before he you know, comes and makes the house call and is getting Dolphin's take on you know, how it's going, what's happening and what he's feeling. Okay, so Dr. Phil comes and sets up cameras in the house. He's got at least seven remote cameras. He's got camera <laughs> operators. They got people in their space. Now, I'm always kind of skeptical about reality shows and the fact that, yeah, you may get used to cameras being there after a while, but how long is after a while? Because I'm thinking if cameras and other human beings operating cameras are in my space, it's going to take at least four, four days. I'm going to say four days minimum for me to feel like I can really be myself. I'm going to always be aware of those cameras. What do you think? I agree. And just looking at the setup here, there are two cameramen with big cameras, huge camera setups and lighting equipment. It's taken up quite a bit of space. Yeah, I would think it would take at least a few days to get used to that. Even in this reality show kind of society that we live in, that we're 
almost used to reality shows, but it's a whole different story with it. You actually filming one and them being in your house. I, yeah, I think people, it, it would be easier to sort of play up for the camera than it is to forget that they're there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about what this, after a while, they get used to the cameras being. <laughs> How long is that? Right. The last time me and her had a heated discussion, she went into the kids' room. She told the kids exactly what we were going through. And she told the kids, as far as she's concerned, we're done. Okay, so mom went and told the children, hey, I think this is over immediately after a fight. And Dr. Phil's, of course, saying, you never involve the children. What, what do you think about it? I agree with that. that. That's really irritating and annoying to me because what what's the purpose what was her purpose in doing that it just seems like it was to hurt him or to get the kids on her side which is really manipulative and selfish i feel like i'm being really hard on her i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying to be open minded but so far i'm not a real fan <laughs> of this person but we'll see i mean you never know i'll i'll try to withhold judgment for now because you never know the whole story. But um, so far, I'm just not liking the fact that it, it feels like when things were great, she was all in and then things started to get rough and now I want out. And then secondly, using the kids, not, not, not a good look. Yeah. Um, I've always been very aware of where the children are, especially when you're having a discussion of any kind. Especially a heated discussion because, you know, kids pick up on those things. Now, I, I guess I'll give the family credit that the kids are 13 and 20. That makes a little bit of a difference. At least they aren't seven and eight. But still, even at 13, you know, that's that's an impressionable age for a young lady and how relationships work and how they deal with each other. And for mom to be talking about adult stuff for her 13 year old child. Think about how she's going to take that into her future relationships. Mm-hmm. Breakfast be ready in about 15 minutes. I got something special for you. When I made the statement that I don't want to do this anymore, it was like, wow. Light switch click. He got turned on. Battery in the back. And it was like, oh, I got to make her breakfast. Oh, I got to go buy her flowers. And I'm like, I don't like how these flowers make me feel. Okay, so his love language is definitely food. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can establish that. Um, you know, I guess for me, I'm just not, I guess, taking the male point of view. It's like you want us to court you and we do the courtful things. And then her reaction is, well, you're only doing this because I said it was over. You know, yeah, she yeah. should have been doing it all along. But when you brought it up and he said, you know, and, and said that, hey, I would like you to court me again, then he tries to do it. And then there's this feeling of uh, he's only doing it because I'm making him. I don't know. It's like, what, what do you want? Right. I agree, because then you feel like you 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 can't win, because on the one hand, if he didn't do anything, you'd be like, well, wow, you don't you don't care. You're not making any change. Now he tries to make a change. Well, you're just making a change because I told you. to. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a catch-22. But I want to commend him on that cooking because he looked like he made some Belgian waffles from, you know, I'm a love to cook, so I can appreciate this. Belgian waffles from scratch, dusted with some powdered sugar and some fruit. 
and some freshly cooked lobster for breakfast for breakfast that's an over-the-top breakfast looked like she had some mimosas there too um over-the-top breakfast but i i appreciate that effort so babe next um um valentine's day Hmm. feel free okay as soon as you hear, <laughs> I got it. When Dr. Phil walked in, I didn't have a clue. I was kind of mad. I totally was feeling underdressed. Like, this outfit's $20, and I felt like it should have been at least a $100 outfit. What? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Phil is there to save your marriage, which is in desperate need of help. <laughs> and the first thought is... My outfit ain't right. Yeah, that's that's a little what we call bougie. Would that be bougie? That's a bit bougie. Yes. <laughs> she got on the twenty dollar outfit, and she really should have had on her nice clothes for Doctor Phil. She should have had on her nice clothes for Lobster. See, she worried about Doctor Phil. <laughs> right. The cameras were rolling anyway. <laughs> right. She knew she was being filmed. There you go. But so, not, not film filmed. Right. Is where they fooled him and said, ah, we might be on a reality show. But film film is Dr. Phil. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to get real. Even before our move to Georgia, our relationship, there was some resentment. Back in the day, he was a promoter. I wanted to be a part of that business. I wasn't allowed to be a part of that business. I'm triggered by the word allowed. (laughs) Slightly triggered by that. What does that mean? Allowed. Okay. We'll see what that means. Is that the word he used? Is that how she felt? I hope he's trying to protect her or something. You know, nightclubs, they can be rough. True. When she looked at it like I was keeping her away, I was keeping her safe. It was just that nightclub scene. When we do those type of events, you're calling every element there is in the city that go from worse to terrible, and I just did not want anything to happen to her. Okay, he lets me come to the comedy shows, he lets me come to the 30 and older events where everybody's mature. I just don't like that word, you let me. I think she's with you, babe. (laughs) That word let is a trigger. I like the word. Yes. sounds good, but, you know, in the end, I don't know, maybe it's just semantics on how you word it. You know, I think that when, you know, the guy wants to go hang out with the fellows, you know, he's like, hey, you know, I'm about to go shoot basketball with them. It's almost like he's he's asking permission, but still telling at the same time. It's like, well, I don't have to, you know, in front of the fellows, I don't have to ask my wife. I can just go do it. But then, you know, he closed the door and the guys are outside. He goes to his wife and said, hey, baby, is it okay if I? (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like you've been there, baby. (laughs) Definitely been there. Actually, I've never been that type of male that in front of my boys I'm like well I you know I, I my wife ain't got nothing to do with this I can do what I want to type of guy <laughs> I've, I've probably been on the opposite end of that of like okay well let me ask my wife and you know <laughs> like oh man what's wrong with you why you gotta ask your wife you know they've been more close personalities I've definitely been you know the 
no, I am asking permission. You know, I don't know how no would have gone over, but <laughs> please ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see his point about wanting to protect her for sure. So that um, I, I do think, as you said, it's probably semantics uh, with how she's feeling versus what his intention is. Okay. So what about the fact that, you know, I mean, you and I both believe in, you know, the man being the quote unquote head of the household and, you know, Mm -hmm. veto power, all things we've talked about on previous podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, Should she be triggered about that? Let me. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It, It may just be the way it's said, because, yes, I think that respectfully, a respectful way to go about it would be, babe, I really, listen, I'm trying to protect you. Okay. I don't like these unsavory characters that are here. And uh, I'm, I'm not down with you being involved in this business, mm-hmm. you know, versus no, you can't go. I'm not going to let you go. Uh, no, you're not allowed. You know what I mean? Like it just, maybe it's just the way that it's, said in the way that it uh, that you actually communicate that and maybe that's what she had a problem with it's almost like he's saying now it was a protection thing but did he voice that to her earlier where it was more like right. man you know it's like hey i'll let you come see tommy davidson but i ain't letting you come when young thug is performing right being in an unknown place It was just, it was just very lonely. Here's where I'm going to sound very insensitive (laughs) because I come from an immigrant family. Like my mother had to leave her two kids behind, actually at one point, all three kids, little kids behind in another country to come up here alone well, not alone. She had some family here, but nevertheless, pretty much, you know, w- working, getting used to a whole country alone with husband and kids in another country, get things settled here. And then the rest of us were, were reunited. So, okay, you had to spend a couple months in a hotel alone to, for the sake of your family. Mm, that's part of the we're in this together. We're a partnership. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but let's do it. Let's, we're in a long distance relationship now. That's very hard. Not an easy thing to do, but we support each other by texting, calling, talking every single night without fail, no matter how tired we are, no matter if we're traveling other places, whatever. I mean, is that, should that be that traumatic? God, I feel like so insensitive. Okay, but anyway. Well, what about okay. the you know, she's coming from New Jersey, you know, up north. Things are slightly different. And I live in the south and I know how the south can be. She's moving to Atlanta. And yeah, um, you know, the way she explained it is she's staying at the extended stay hotel. Now, I don't know many extended stay hotels that are in the fancier neighborhoods. You know, usually they're in the neighborhoods where, you know, this is the last <laughs> straw or, you know, they can only afford one month's rent. And the marquee says it's five hundred dollars. <laughs> not one month one week five hundred dollars a week and she's staying there and she you know doesn't have any family around she's not feeling safe and you know who knows that guy in the next door who 
this is his last penny and he sees this single woman coming in every night and mm. I feel safe. Scary. Yeah. And and the cold yeah. culture of the South and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I can feel her pain on that a little bit. And, you know, and I can also see your point of view, of course, that, you know, come to a, another country is a, a way big deal, a bigger deal than, you know, moving you know, a thousand miles uh, on the other side of the country. But I, I'm feeling her on this one. Okay. Alicia's needs stop being met. He's going to have to meet her where she is. This was not her idea. It was his idea. Come on. What do you expect me to do? I see your wife in pain right now. You seem to be completely ignoring that. Mm -hmm. If my wife was in pain right now, there's no way I would be sitting there ignoring it. And you don't even look at her. Reason being is when we have conversations, she get emotional. Every time I try to hug her, she tell me don't touch her. She set a boundary to where if she that cries- was one time. You're her husband. Okay, finally I'm on her side for some reason. I don't know, I've been really tough on her. I don't know, do most men realize the power of giving your woman just a hug? There's nothing like having that, that hug from your man to just, melt away all of the stress and pain and just being able to cry on his shoulder if need be literally having that shoulder to cry on is so powerful like that to to not take advantage of that situation just at least hold her hand or stroke her shoulder or just something that says hey i'm there for you this dude is like stoic I mean, he doesn't even look like he's reacting emotionally. She's bawling her eyes out. And he's like, mm, okay, seen that before. What's up with that? Okay, so I might have to jump on his side this time. <laughs> you know, I, I've been in situations where you try to reach out. You try to give that hug, that handhold and such. And that one rejection, although she did say it was only one time, that one rejection, that 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 hurts. That cuts to the core because we know how important it is. It's important for us as well in trying to you know ease your pain but you know we, we are the protector we're there to to help to comfort and when you push back that comfort even that one time we feel like oh well dang she don't need me to comfort her cool then just sit over there and cry i'm gonna stay over here on my side because i don't you know just that feeling of being pushed away when you're trying to do what what you're built to do and I'm with him that no, I can't go there on the other side of the couch. You might push me away. I seem to remember my favorite internet psychologist, Dr. Kirk Honda. He's not just an internet psychologist. He is a marriage and family counselor. But I seem to remember him saying that that's always a good sign for him when he sees couples uh, as he's doing couples counseling and someone gets emotional to have that person reach out to the other and, and somehow comfort that that tends to be a good sign versus the people who just kind of sit there and say, okay, well, let me let her get over it. And then I can go back to making my point, <laughs> you know, but I can understand where you're coming from. It's it, I'm sure it must be very tough to be rejected. Um, but you know, I, I, I feel for her too. just some kind of, even if you get rejected a few times or a lot of times to just say, Hey, can I give you a hug? Hey, can I 
hold your hand right now. You you look like you're going through a lot. Okay. That would be nice. You see, okay, I'm I'm at the, I'm at to jump on the bandwagon again. <laughs> then there would be the later argument of why did I have to ask you to give me a hug? Why did I have to tell you to reach out? Right. You should have done that naturally, you know. That's you know, kind of with the head bob and all that. Like, why well, I gotta tell you? <laughs> Not the head bob. Oh no. That's always a bad sign. I've got to the snapping the fingers yet and clapping, but that's at least a head bob. <laughs> yeah, the the rhythmic clapping. Yes. Why do I have to every single time? Oh, flashback. Uh, oh, oh, trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Didn't mean to trigger you, babe. So I'm not saying it should be this way, but particularly with men, a lot of their self worth, a lot of their self esteem is tied up in what you do and your ability to provide for and lead and protect your family. Agree, disagree? Definitely agree that that is a lot of your self-worth. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm different from others or um, the same, but I don't have a problem with him leaning on her. Um, mm-hmm. I, if you know i've been in previous relationships where she you know definitely had a significantly more a greater salary than i did um you know i definitely don't think we could have either done it alone and that it was a partnership and a team and we worked on it together but i don't know it it seems more like his self-esteem as look i'm the main person and yeah you just give me a little a little you know financial help on the side and that's the way it's supposed to be, kind of like a machismo type of thing, where, you know, as a public school teacher, I got into that career knowing that, I, you know, can be slightly comfortable. But, hey, I'd love to have been in a situation where, you know, female, the person that I'm with is making as much or more and would have no problems with that at all. He's almost mortgage man. <laughs> He is comfortable being mortgage man. He's comfortable being that the breadwinner, paying the mortgage, taking care of everything, taking care of his family and having her. Okay, no, you don't need to. Let me protect you. You don't need to be out there working with unsavory elements. You stay home. Maybe you pay a cable bill if it makes you feel better. Um, Maybe, you know, okay, you can have the spectrum bill. (laughs) <laughs> but um yeah let me earn that money and oh oh now i can't earn that money yikes now my self-esteem is out the window and it's something new and it's you know mental health things that we didn't know about 10 years ago that we're now accepting as the norm um yeah his his mental health suffered and guys for <laughs> millennia centuries decades have always just brushed that off and kept it moving and never dealt with, you know, the pain and the mental stress of not not being able to be that breadwinner and that person that provides for your family. And, you know, we may do, but maybe we haven't dealt with it properly. And mm-hmm. I think that they dealt with it properly in that situation. And so she's just kind of looking at him like, you know, oh, well, I didn't quite see it that way. So let, let's see what happens. Alicia, I want you to look him in the eye and I want you to describe to him the happiest time in y'all's life. Mm-hmm. 
So there are a few times that I could think of that were amazing times in our relationship pre and post-marriage. Back to even when you came and get me from my mom's and you had that little piece of car. <laughs> and us just laughing about it. It was like I didn't really have any cares. It was just us being together laughing in that moment. And, you know, when we were just playing cards and stuff like that with my parents, like, just hanging out, I just felt like this is how a family is supposed to be. While our children were being born, and you just, as excited, you made sure that the camp quarter was ready to go. That made me happy. Those times would make you happy again if you had those times, would they not? Um, I don't know. Mm -mm. Do you think divorce would solve your problem? I don't know. I was so hopeful for a second there. <laughs> that was so beautiful what she was saying. It had nothing to do with material things. It had nothing to do with any of that. It was, wow, before all of that, you would say more money, more problems. <laughs> before all of that came along, wow, it was just us, your, your hoopty playing cards. I really felt that connection. We were best friends. Everything was great. I was so hopeful. So now, wow, what happened? Wait a minute. She's now she's saying, eh, I don't know, I guess maybe that would make me happy again. Well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's definitely something there where, you know, I agree with you that when they had very little, they, they were good. Um, now that they got a little bit and have to maintain it, you know, it's not just the getting it, it's the maintaining of it. And that's bringing about some stress that uh, it's really, you know, kind of jeopardizing the marriage. Yeah. I don't know how to accept them anymore. Sometimes it just feels like it's fake. When he started to do certain things, I got to make a breakfast, I got to buy her roses, I got to do better. But I've been wanting you to do better. If I hear you right, you're saying, he's just doing all of this because he knows that I don't feel attended to. Well, so what? It's like if you tell your kid, if you want a car, then you've got to make all A's and B's. And so they go, okay, I'm going to do it. And they go make A's and B's. You say, they don't really care. They're just doing it to get a car. Well, if they're making A's and B's, do you care why? I'm with you, Dr. Phil, for sure. I said that earlier. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the things that you want him to do, but now you're mad because that's the only reason he's doing it. Well, that was an interesting analogy Dr. Phil just gave to with the student, because aren't there, there's a different school of, no pun intended, school of thought with that, right? That, <laughs> that, that there's something about being just motivated by the outcome that isn't necessarily the best way to sustain that those uh, the attention and, and dedication that uh, successful student would have i don't know if i'm phrasing that correctly but is this ringing a bell at all yeah um you know if it takes that push of a reward to get mm -hmm. you to the 
right thing, then use that as the initial push, hoping that later on it will be just, you know, self-promoted or self-created that, you know, the child or the relationship will want to do that just because it's just because it's right, not just because they, you know, feel like they're going to get a reward for it. So, but there has to be a starting point somewhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, it was brilliant what he said, like, who cares? <laughs> right. What you want, why be so caught up with why you're getting it? Almost <laughs> like she's making an excuse. Like, you see, she's really looking like she wants out of this thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. You made me some lobster for breakfast that nobody's ever done in life. <laughs> but mm, I don't know. But is that maybe her fear is once she says, okay, yeah, I'm staying, then it'll go right back to taking her for granted, what she feels is taking her for granted or going back to his kind of nonchalant behavior or whatever. Maybe that's really her fear is once she lets her guard down and, and starts appreciating it, that's when it'll actually disappear. Then suddenly it'll be Egg McMuffins. <laughs> Back to Egg McMuffins instead of lobster and Belgian waffles. Let's mm, Keep up the Belgian waffles, Dolphin. When they fell in love with school, they're behaving their way to success. So Dolphin's just saying, I got to get off my dead ass and behave my way to success. That's not fake. <laughs> and you don't know how to give yourself permission to accept it. Is this real or... Is this fake? So you eat the meal, you smell the flowers, and it sure tastes good and smells good, but then am I supposed to enjoy this? <laughs> See what you just did there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something about divorce. Divorce doesn't solve problems. You just trade one set of problems for a new set of problems. Mm. I'm going to disagree with him on divorce doesn't solve problems. <laughs> Yeah, we, we know I'm going to disagree. <laughs> we know a little bit about that. We know a little bit about that. And sometimes it does solve problems. I'm just saying. I, I think it also depends on the degree of the problems. Um, mm-hmm. Having young children in the household does bring about a whole new set of challenges and such. You know, again, being a school teacher and having students of I'm going to mom's house, I'm going to dad's house, and then being in a parent conference with mom and dad and seeing the tension between those two, that, you know, that's still a problem. Um, True. Even though their, you know, physical location might not be with each other, but, you know, it it is a whole new set of, of issues now. You know, of course, there's the abuse, the relationships, and other things that you really do have to get away from, but... There, it doesn't bring about just immediate, you know, ooh, you know, sigh of relief and things are good now. I guess I have heard people say, too, I think of one friend in particular that said, wow, since we're divorced, we're like back to being best friends now. And we know we can't be together as a married couple, but that's my buddy. And, you know, they're co-parenting together. They have a great friendship. They just weren't great as husband and wife. And sometimes that happens unfortunately though you know for the kids it's more difficult but is it really when at least they're not seeing their parents arguing and feeling that tension in the household Mm -hmm. one of the i guess 
most um, famous or popular couples that were able to do that, I guess, in the public eye would be what Will Smith and his wife and, you know, mm-hmm. having the, the parents of uh, or the mother of Will's children hanging out and doing family vacation together. <laughs> so, you know, it can work. Uh, That's amazing. A whole nother level of stuff. And but um, but yeah, it, it can work. And I, I definitely have heard what you said as far as them being best friends. Um, and, you know, I guess you can equate that to past relationships, even within dating, like when you stop dating someone. And then suddenly they become your friend and your confidant for a new relationship. And you're talking to, mm-hmm. you know, your old flame about, hey, well, what do you think about this new lady that I'm dating? And, you know, I, I definitely got some situations like that in my life currently where I can go to mm-hmm. exes talk about, you know, what's happening in a current relationship. And it's just on a friendship level. So mm-hmm. shout out to Anita. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for steering him in the right direction. I look back at him and I just see a lot of good times. A lot of good times. Beautiful photos of them as a family and happy couple. And they both are looking at these photos and they're getting emotional and the tears start welling up and they're smiling. They're obviously recalling some of these memories and and smiling about it. To me, that says there's hope because as someone who's been divorced, at some point, no photos in the world, no memories in the world could have stopped me. I I was just like, when you're done, you're you're definitely done. Like that's not photos and slideshows aren't going to do. So I'm hopeful for these for this couple at this point, because you can tell that there's there's still a lot of love there. There's still a lot of emotion there. Hello, it's AJ. And your friend Mimi. We're the host of the Later in Life Love podcast, where we discuss topics related to dating and new relationships in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. There's a brand new episode every Monday. Start your week off right with the mindset that it's never too late for love. It's never too late.